us at the cross and at the grave when Christ rose again. We are reminded that in you we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. You give it to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. My prayer is this morning as we pause at this moment to open your word and to hear from you, to hear what you have to say, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will shine forth and he will minister to our hearts like no one else can, that the words that I speak this morning would be simply your truth and that we would hear you clearly through the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. You guys know how I love my research and my statistics. I found some good ones. Just this year, some researchers at the University of Missouri decided that they want to measure, wanted to measure people's heart rates, blood pressure, anxiety levels when they were put under some amount of stress. And so they carefully selected a group of people, and they put them in little cubicles, and they gave them word search puzzles to solve. Now, I know some of you do that for relaxation, but apparently for some people it's stressful. There probably was a timer or something, I don't know, putting the pressure on. And so they started to measure heart rate, blood pressure, anxiety levels as people started working on these word search puzzles. And then after a few moments, they came in and they stopped and said, wait, 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 we've got a problem. The cell phones are interfering with the monitoring equipment. So we have to take your cell phones. <laughs> so they took their cell phones and they put them just a little ways away from them in another cubicle, far enough so they couldn't get to them. They were told not to leave their cubicle, but close enough so that they could hear the notifications. And then they said, okay, start again. And they started working on the word search puzzles. And then the researchers, the people running the study, started calling and texting their phones. I guess you can already tell what happened. Needless to say, performance plummeted. Heart rates and blood pressure rose through the roof because people couldn't get to their phones. Apparently, as a whole, as a country, as a people... We are so stressed out and filled with anxiety that we can't even tolerate being separated from our phones. Unless you laugh, you try it sometime. Put your phone in your nightstand and then go to town and see how long you last before you loop back around or how quickly you get to it when you get home. Another study just done this year found that the average American only feels rested three days a week. Some of you are thinking, I'd love to have three days a week where I felt rested. The average American. 66% need two full hours to wind down and fall asleep at the end of the day. And another recent study found of college graduates 
found that what they want most for their future, 88% of college graduates said what they want most is not a high-paying job, not a home, not vacations, but stability. Why is that? I think it's because we live in a world filled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Will my marriage survive? Will my kids be okay? Will I have enough money to take care of myself? Will I end up alone in my old age? Is our world about to plunge into war again? A certain amount of anxiety and fear because of uncertainty is part of the human condition. It's natural. It happens to all of us. Our safety, our relationships, the future, the uncertainty of it all can be overwhelming. Now, in these past three weeks, we have been looking at three different scenarios that the New Testament gives us regarding the birth of Christ. And in each of these three, Zechariah we looked at, then we looked at Mary, and then last week Pastor Tim talked to us about the angels who were in the field on the night that Christ was born. In all three of those situations, an angel appeared to them, and you remember what the first part of his message was to all three of them? Do not be afraid. Fear not. I don't know if anybody here this morning recognizes the reference Psalm 4610. I'm sure some of you will recognize the verse when I begin to quote it. Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I am God. Can we know God when we are stressing out? Can we know God when our hearts and minds are filled with fear and anxiety? I would suggest that we can't. So how do we overcome our fear when we face uncertainty? Well, I believe that we must surrender our anxieties and rest. Rest. Doesn't that sound good? Rest in the knowledge that God is in control. Rest in the knowledge that He will care for you. That's what I want us to think about this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, the very first page of the New Testament. We're going to look at the fourth and final scene here that the New Testament gives us of the birth of Christ or regarding the birth of Christ. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 18, and we're going to see here Joseph's encounter uh, with an angel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, just pause there for a second. This is pretty factual and to the point here. Matthew just simply says, this is what happened. Okay, there's no embellishment. Matthew doesn't try to convince us. He just tells us, this is it. You got Mary, you got Joseph. They weren't together yet, but Mary was pregnant. It was the Holy Spirit. If we were to back up 
If you look down in your Bible right now, if you have it on your lap in front of you, you will see that the first 17 verses of Matthew 1, Matthew tells us all about the human genealogy of Jesus. But he only spends one verse on his divine genealogy, if you will. This is what you need to know. Jesus is God, and he was born by a miracle of the Holy Spirit and took on a human body. Once you notice it says there, again, before they came together. Again, confirming Mary's virginity, confirming her purity, and confirming the miracle. Look at verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now remember a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to you about Mary's encounter with an angel and it said there in Luke 2 when we read that that she was betrothed, or Luke 1 rather, she was betrothed to Joseph and I told you a little bit about that betrothal arrangement in the Jewish culture and you see it here again because it says that they were betrothed in verse 18 but in verse 19 it calls Joseph her husband, and it talks about divorce. So that confirms to us what we knew already, what we learned in Luke 1, that betrothal was more than just engagement in our culture. They were, in fact, as good as married, except they had not consummated their relationship. They were not living together. They were not sleeping together. But they were promised to each other, and that was secured. Now we see here that Joseph was a righteous man. Luke chapter 1 tells us that Mary was a righteous woman. So we know that they both loved God. But here, Joseph finds out about the pregnancy and now he is filled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty because he knows he can't go through with the marriage. Why can't he go through with the marriage? Well, because... He is a righteous man, and he has been pure, and he presumed that Mary had been pure, and in the eyes of God, she was pregnant, and he knew he wasn't the father, so he presumed that Mary had been unfaithful. And he knew it would be wrong before God to go through with that marriage. But because of his love and his kindness, he didn't want to shame her. You see that there in the verse. He said he was unwilling to put her to shame. The phrase put her to shame literally means to expose her. Now, we don't know all of the intricate details of the timing of all of this, but we are presuming at this point most people did not know that Mary was pregnant. Raise your hand if you understand how it works that most people find out that someone is pregnant. Okay? Usually it, you know, becomes obvious. Well, it wasn't obvious yet. Some people knew. Mary knew. Probably her parents knew. Now Joseph knew. 
and he didn't want to expose her. Why didn't he want to expose her? Because he was a righteous man. He was a loving and kind and gracious man, and I think he loved her. He didn't want to embarrass her. Yes, of course, everyone would eventually know when the day got closer and people went to the mailbox and the wedding invitation wasn't there with the RSVP, chicken or fish. Hey, Joseph, what's happening here? Am I getting invited to this thing or what? People were going to eventually find out. And eventually it would become obvious when people saw Mary that she was pregnant, but at least for a while, Mary would be protected. And that's what Joseph wanted to do. He wanted to protect her. And so it says there he resolved to divorce her quietly. This was a process for Joseph. He wrestled with this. But in the end... As he thought about it, if we do get married, we will be shunned. We'll be shunned by our families because we have been disobedient before God. They will presume, or we aren't, but they will presume that we have been, right? If you see a young man and a young woman and she's pregnant, what do you presume? They'll presume that we have done wrong, and so our families will shun us. Our community of faith will turn their backs on us. We will be ostracized. Where will we go? What will we do? Joseph's mind was full of these things, and so he decided the best thing to do would be to quietly end the betrothal, which really was a divorce. Verse 20. But, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, what? Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. But as he considered, as he reflected, as he pondered, there was a time span here again. We don't know all the timing, but there was a time as Joseph pondered these things. Apparently, according to verse 19, he had resolved, he had made the decision, this is what I have to do because I care about her and because I love her, but I don't want to sin before God. This is what I'm going to do. But before he had time to put his plan into action, the angel came to him. And the angel came and said, Joseph, Fear not. Don't be afraid. And I'm sure Joseph said, Oh, well, <laughs> whoo. Thank you for that. Great. I'll stop being anxious right now. Because that's how anxiety works in our hearts and minds, right? If someone comes up and says, Don't worry, it'll be okay, instantly it all goes away. I'm sure that's what Joseph was thinking. Oh, okay, what do I have to be afraid of? 
Oh, only the loss of my reputation as a godly young man. Only rejection by my family and my community of faith. Only my desired future with the girl that I love. No big deal. Oh, and by the way, the potential of sinning against Almighty God. Other than that, you're right. I have nothing to be afraid of. Joseph was human, just like you and me. And I'm going to just speculate for a second, if that's okay. I'm going to guess that Joseph was thinking, I don't know if he dared say it because, you know, he was probably a little bit awed by the appearance of this angel. I'm guessing on some level, Joseph was thinking something to the effect of, there is nothing you could say to me right now that is going to change how I feel. Except there was. Because God is the God of the impossible. Remember, that's what the angel told Mary. Do you remember that? Make me feel better and nod your head that you remember I told you that two weeks ago. In Luke chapter 1, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Um, not possible. I've never been with a man. Well, actually, the Holy Spirit is going to do a miracle in your body, and you will have a child. What did Mary say? How? How? With God, nothing is impossible. And this same God was speaking to Joseph through this angel, and he said... I am going to tell you something that will change your mind, Joseph. Because God is the God of the impossible. Because God is in control. Because God is working His eternal redemptive purpose here. And He is going to perform a miracle. Look at verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. A little side historical note here. Typically in Jewish families, the first son, the oldest son, was given a family name, often his father's name. It would have been presumed that if Joseph were to have a son, his name would be Joseph. That's why it was a little odd back in Luke chapter 1 when Zechariah and Elizabeth had a son. Remember the angel said, you will call his name John, and he became John the Baptist. That's why after the baby was born, if you kept reading in that passage, they would say, tell us what his name is. His name is going to be John, right? 
And Zachariah still couldn't talk, remember, because he didn't believe the angel. So the angel said, you're not going to talk until the baby is born as a punishment and to show you that I mean business. And so Zachariah couldn't talk. And so he asked for something to write on. And they brought him something to write on. And he said, no, his name is John. So this was not what one would expect. This child would be called Jesus. Now, Jesus is actually a Greek name. It's a Greek translation of a Hebrew name that you may be familiar with, the name Joshua. Joshua is the Hebrew, Jesus is the Greek, and Joshua means Jehovah saves. Now, there had been many Joshuas over thousands of years of Israel's history, You know one famous Joshua who wrote the book of Joshua, who led the people into the promised land. But this Joshua, this Jesus, as he was to be called in the Greek translation of his name, would actually do it. He actually was Jehovah, and he would save his people. Look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This had all been prophesied back in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. 500 years earlier, God had given Isaiah this message to an ungodly people. Judah was not walking with the Lord. The most evil king in Judah's history, Ahaz, was on the throne. He had reinstituted the worship of Molech. If you study and find out what Molech was, Molech was an idol who was worshipped by offering sacrifices of live children. And that's what Israel was doing. And God told Isaiah, I want you to go to that king and tell him that right now he is sacrificing children, but one day a child will come and he will change the whole world. Of course, the angel said his name would be Jesus, but now he tells us from the prophecy that he will have another title, and that is Emmanuel, God with us. See, when we celebrate Christmas like we do every year and we we do a Christmas series and we sing Christmas songs and you have a tree and gifts and family gatherings and all of those things, we're not just celebrating a child. We are celebrating the fact that God himself walked this earth in the form of a human being. Emmanuel. God with us. He was God. He is God. Now Joseph has a choice to make, and we see it in verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph decided to obey. He chose to obey the message of God, and he took his wife. That implies that they had the wedding, they had the feast, they had the celebration, but they didn't consummate the marriage until after the baby was born. How anxious Joseph must have been through all of that. 
how uncertain his future and his family. But he chose to surrender his anxieties to God. He chose to rest in God's hands. And my question for you folks this morning is this, how anxious is your heart today? How heavy are your burdens? Can I say this to you this morning? What the angel said to Joseph? Fear not. Fear not. Are you ready to surrender your anxieties and rest? Because Jesus Christ, the son Mary would bear, and Joseph would rear, and father has another name. Emmanuel. God with us. God with you. Can I read you something that that child, the Son of God, would say a few years later when he was grown, when he had had gone out and started to let people understand who he really was, and he began to teach in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. You got to lay your burden down. You got to stop trying to carry them all yourself. Now, I want you to understand something here. We know, because we just read this, right, that Joseph was righteous. He was a godly man. He loved the Lord. He was was walking with God. He was obedient to his commands, and yet he struggled with fear, with anxiety, with uncertainty. I want you to understand something this morning, my friends, that The mere existence of anxiety, the mere presence of it in your life is not a sin. It's part of the human condition. But what matters is what you do with it. We all worry. We all become anxious. But here's what matters. We must not allow fear to take up residence in our minds. You cannot let it consume you. You cannot let it take control of your thoughts and your actions. Catherine already read these verses for us a few moments ago. They were on my heart and mind this week as I thought about what I wanted to share with you. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds 
in Jesus Christ. The word anxious means to be pulled to pieces, to be distracted by worry, to be, to be torn in many directions. Does that not describe us often? We're consumed with it. Don't let fear consume your mind. Don't let it control your heart and your actions. I really believe that one of the reasons God does not always reveal everything to us so that we might choose faith in him over fear. That we might choose to trust him. We might say, fear not the unknown because God promises never to forsake us. Rest in the knowledge that he is in control. Rest in the knowledge that he will never leave you. Rest in the knowledge that in his strong arms you will be cared for. Have you been listening to our song this month that we've been singing every week? Make room. Make room in your heart. We're talking about surrender. And that's the question that I would ask you to to ask yourself this morning, what's what's the status of your heart? Is it hard? Is it cold? Is it stubborn? Is it bitter? If so, will you consider softening your heart to the God of the impossible? The God who can do anything that he desires to do. Are you willing to make room in your heart for God to write his story? That's what we sing in the song, for God to write his story. To do what he wants you to do. Will you surrender to God's timing and trust him? Will you surrender to his will and obey him? Will you surrender your assumptions and repent before him? Will you surrender your anxieties and rest in him? Jesus is God. He's here. Emmanuel. And he extends this invitation to every one of us. Stop fighting. Stop controlling. Stop fearing. Come to me and I will give you rest. Will you? Let's sing this one more time together as we close this morning.